Welcome to Mental Health Talk, where mental health is everyone's business. Brought to you by Mental Health Partners, committed to creating a mentally healthier community. And now, here are your hosts, David and Debbie. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Mental Health Talk. During Mental Health Month, where the slogan is, we all have a role to play. And David's going to take us straight into what some of those roles may be. Sure. So thanks, Deb, and welcome back, everybody. Hopefully uh, you've been enjoying our uh, conversations over the last few weeks. Following on from last week, we sort of spoke a little bit about listening and, and how to approach somebody. This week, I'd like to talk about how we actually support and one of the things that I've found really, really helpful is making sure that I focus my attention on what the person actually wants, not making any assumptions. Deb and I heard a story once of 30 casseroles, and that doesn't sound like much if you just say it but what happened was uh, a couple had experienced some trauma and all their friends all individually wanted to help and all of a sudden in these people's house were 30 casseroles and every individual had done that with love and respect and and all of those things that we come from in our communities but in total it added up to just a problem that those people who were already experienced trauma, another problem they had to solve. So one of the things I want to talk about is making sure when you are offering support that you start with what are the sorts of things that you would find helpful. Asking the person... And if I can encourage everybody to think a person with a mental illness, a person with depression, a person with anxiety, a person with a substance misuse is a person. And the best thing we can do for that person is ask them, what would you find helpful? So in that couple's example, if somebody had said to them, can I make you a casserole for tea? they would have immediately said, no, we've already got 30 of those. What would be helpful is perhaps you could take some casseroles off our hands and <laughs> remove some of that stress from us. <laughs> so it's really, really important to ask the person. And it doesn't matter whether that's psychological support. doesn't matter whether it's physical support. Ask the person. And some of the examples of the things that I've heard are, could you look after my children for a couple of hours while I get some work done. Could you go to the shops for me because I'm finding it very difficult to leave the house? So those sorts of things, you then make a decision. Can I do that for that person? If the answer is yes, go ahead and do it. So the other sort of support is psychological support. Now, psychological support can come in a lot of ways and you might think, oh, I'm not qualified to do that. And that's not what we're saying. We're not asking you to be psychiatrist or psychologist. We're just saying, letting the person know that you understand, not that you know everything about them. So 
some of the things you could say, I'm really, really hearing that that's very difficult. And if I had all those things piling up on me, I'd feel bad too. So what you're saying to them is, I understand, I hear what you're saying, and I have empathy for your situation. I can see that it's really tough. And if all those things were piling up on me, I'd feel really, really bad as well. I'd encourage you not to say, I'd feel the same as you. Because it's very unlikely that any two people are going to feel exactly the same about any situation. Another one, as offering psychological support, is to let the person know you're not alone. It's quite often, and I'll get Deb to to talk about this in a second, because I know when Deb is feeling unwell... One of the first things that happens to her is she feels ashamed and she wants to isolate herself so she doesn't have to feel that way. And letting her know, I understand it's very difficult, you're not the only person who feels like this, there's others who have similar feelings to you, can help. So... Deb, perhaps I could bring you in now and just yeah. get you to talk about your experiences of, of that, you know, practical support and some of those psychological supports as well. Yeah. And uh, the first thing that comes to my mind, David, is that sometimes it sounds so easy, like, oh, you know, just telling the person, I want to help you. I'd like to support you. Just simple little statements like that. Because when I'm really depressed and I am so ashamed of myself, I dislike myself so much that I can't remember, I can't even think that there may be people who would like to help me. Because it doesn't make sense because I dislike myself so much, I can't think someone would like to help Mm. me. And I know myself, David, has had this experience with me. David has stood right in front of me and said to me, Deb, I really would like to help you. And I heard myself saying straight back to him, nobody wants to help me. Because that was my truth. That was what it felt like to me. But he just stood there and said, you know what? I want to help you. And that, that got through. Mm. And the relief of it, the relief of, oh, my God, I am not totally alone here. Mm. Somebody else does care. Somebody else wants to help me was enormous Mm. but he had to persevere to help me hear that message yeah and that brings up something that i think is really important for people to hear is that sometimes when we are talking to people we think okay well i've already said that i don't need to go over that again but when you're talking to people with a mental illness, and I think the, the terminology we quite often use is broken record or mm. enthusiastic encouragement, you know, those sorts of things. 
But don't be afraid to repeat. No. Say the thing, oh, I'd really like to help you. And if the person has a reaction that you weren't expecting, just say that thing again. I would really like to help you. And sometimes, just even in a slightly different way, my help is available right now. Or, you know, I'm here for you. Any of those types of things, if they're true for you, sometimes that repetitiveness just helps the person with a mental illness hear what you're trying to say. My experience with another person was that they told me when they're particularly feeling really bad, the thoughts actually swirl inside their head. And they described it in such graphic detail where they actually can feel the thoughts bumping and crashing Mm. together inside their head. And I don't have that experience, so I find it very hard to, to understand that. But if I just stop for a minute and go, wow, what would that feel like? I can see that just standing there saying the same thing, yes, I would like to help, could I help, is there something I could help you with, just slightly different wordings each time, eventually the person will hear that and go, oh, somebody is, there is somebody here, there is some help. So, yeah, and, you know, that I haven't experienced words crashing around in my head, but I have experienced them. It's more, for me, it feels more like a whirlwind. Mm. They're spinning and spinning and spinning. And, they, and they're going, um, you should do this, you ought to do that, you have to do this, you have to go to work. Mm. Nobody likes you, you're letting people down. And, and they, I can't stop that whirlwind. It's just going yeah. and going and going. And it's very hard for me to get other things through because that whirlwind is very, very strong. Mm. So when people are trying to support me, it's important for them to be what we would call gently persistent. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I said gently enthusiastic yeah. before, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I meant gently persistent. Mm. Yeah, and that um, that takes us on to the next thing that I want to talk about because quite often you have that conversation and then you might break away from that person or you, you, know, you both get back to your own lives and, and things are going and you think to yourself wonder did that actually help and that brings up the next topic which is checking in with somebody Mm. and it's important that we frame it that way checking in with them not checking up on them yes those are two very different things so what we want you to think about is checking in so you might say to somebody as you're about to break the conversation with them is it okay if I ask you how this goes in a week or so? Let me know whether any of those things have helped you. Just tell me or give me a call because it gives them the opportunity to be in charge of that. And it's also respectful because you're asking for permission to check in with them. So when you say next week, look, I was just wondering, did any of those things we discussed last week help? They're already prepared for that because you've asked for that permission. But I think checking 
in with them is a far different thing from I'll check up on you. Yes. Because that's not respectful. That's treating the person like they can't be trusted. Mm. And remember what we've said consistently, a person with a mental illness is a person first. So some of the things that I've used checking in is I'm really interested to find out whether any of those things we talked helped. Can you tell me? And people are happy to tell you. They're Mm. happy to tell you if they helped. They're happy to tell you if they haven't helped. What's your experience with checking in, Deb? Yeah. I always think about it, you know, people living with a mental illness have this mantra that they say, and it's nothing about me without me, okay? So checking in is with the person, Checking up is you doing it to the person. Mm. So yeah. checking in with the person is the imp- is an important thing. And that thing of you know I, how important it is for me to know that that person is going to to check in with me, mm. that they're interested in what's happened, and even if I have to say to them. No, I haven't done any of those things we talked about. And if they're just interested still, they don't blame me, they don't go into, well, how can I help you (laughs) if you won't help yourself and all those things that people could do. But they just go, wow, okay, what stopped you? What could? Mm. And is there anything I could do to help and support you to actually act on some of those suggestions. Yeah, so mm. so when they come back to you and, and perhaps you haven't been able to achieve some of the things mm. you've talked about previously, you find it helpful when they go, okay, well, what's the next step in yeah. trying to achieve that goal? Rather than saying, oh, well, that's a failure. We haven't achieved that this way. It's not a it's, failure. Yeah, it's, it's a just, pause. <laughs> yeah, it's just a... What is the next step in achieving that? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, all right. Well, we're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to have our guest for the week, a lady by the name of Michelle. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250 gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. When you enter Chiera and Sons Fresh Market and Joanna's Kitchen, it feels just like home. This four-decade young, iconic South Australian business is situated in the Hollywood Plaza, Salisbury. For fresh fruit and veggies, see Tony and Frank and their wonderful staff, offering the finest produce and fine foods. And specials last all year, like the Millel Pecorono cheese, just $15.99 per kilo when you buy the entire wheel. Support a family-owned business. Drop in to their Hollywood Plaza store or call 
828-33-155. That's 828-33-15. Welcome to the family. Join me, Ron Fiedler and Karen Fiedler each Saturday morning from 9 to 10am for Talking Real Estate, your guide to real estate in Adelaide and South Australia. We'll bring you the latest local real estate news, interviews, tips and advice from property experts, plus report on the Italian property market and let you know about the week's open homes and upcoming auctions. And don't forget, I'll be bringing you my open home of the week. On Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM, Talking Real Estate, every Saturday morning from 9 till 10am. Be in the know with Adelaide's local real estate show. Ti piace la musica? Hai voglia di metterti in gioco? Entusiasmo e personalità non ti mancano? Radio Italia Uno sta cercando te. Chiama l'82-123177 e anche tu avrai la possibilità di entrare a far parte del nostro team. Radio Italia 1, diamo voce alla tua voce. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Mental Health Talk with David and Debbie, proudly sponsored by Mental Health Partners. Welcome back everyone. We're now going to talk with Michelle Green. Michelle has been a lifeline worker. She's also a past chairperson of the Onkaparinga Suicide Prevention Network and she is now a mental health educator. So welcome, Michelle. Hi, how are you going? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. Now, Michelle, my my first question for you is, can you help us understand your personal experience of living with a mental illness? Uh, Yeah, so I guess my own lived experience varies in many ways from, you know, my own personal episodes of uh, postnatal depression after uh, losing six babies, so six miscarriages. And in 2012, I also had a a psychotic episode, which was related to high stress, um, just a one-off episode. I also have a son that has an anxiety disorder. Um, He was diagnosed at 12 and he's now 20. So that's been a a long journey. And a husband that has bipolar and a dependent personality disorder. Um, And on top of that, I have family members that, you know, have alcohol misuse problems, um, which as it turns out are generational. So um, I guess they're my personal experiences. And then as you mentioned, after losing five of my five people from my circle of friends to suicide, mm. um, one being an ex-partner, I went on to volunteer and I guess turned my personal grief um, into action and volunteered for Lifeline, as you mentioned, chairperson of Let's Talk Onkapringa, um, and also um, went on to organise um, an annual um, event that's become quite major in the southern suburbs of Adelaide down at Moana, the Onkapringa Seaside Walk, you know, which brings people together that have lost somebody to suicide or that have may have survived their own suicide journey. And that walk, you know, typically brings in between three and 600 people each year that, you know, come together and walk the five kilometres along our beautiful coastline. And funnily enough, it's coming up on Sunday, the 17th of October. So if anybody would like to participate in that, um, the details are on the Rotary Club of Seaford Facebook page. 
Okay, yes, I've seen that on Facebook, Michelle. Michelle, that is a very long list of experience, Mm -hmm. personal experience of a mental illness and experience of being a friend and a family member of people living with mental illness. So Mm -hmm. can I ask you... What do you think are some of the most important things when you're talking to somebody? Uh, Maybe let's talk about the first time to start with about mental illness. So, look, I guess if you have concerns about somebody that you feel may be struggling with a mental illness, it's obviously approaching them, finding out what's going on for them. It's that initial reaching out to people. I think, um, you know, as a society, we're quite fearful to bring up things when it comes to our um, mental health. And But if it was a physical issue, I always like to relate it back to a physical issue and remind people that, you know, if we saw somebody struggling with a heart attack on the side of the road, we would so- certainly go and, um, you know, go to that aid and help them. And to me, it's no different if we're doing that with a mental health issue. So if you have concerns about someone Initially, reach out to them, ask them what might be going on with them. Be gentle and empathetic to what they um, do tell you is happening for them. But also be prepared that they may not tell you anything in, in an initial conversation. So I guess be prepared to go back, you know, check in on them again and, and just ask them if it's okay to, you know, to, ask, to check in on them. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, use a lot of I statements. So I feel concerned because you, you know, I've noticed changes in you lately and I'd just like to know why that may be. Yeah, so Michelle, that really rings true with something that Deb and I were discussing earlier that... You know, initial conversation doesn't always have to go perfectly. Sometimes the no, person's right. just going to say, no, look, I, I don't know what you're talking about or I'm not ready or just a plain no. Have you had experiences like that where people have not been ready to talk and you've had to go back on repeat occasions? Oh, absolutely. And I guess um, I mentioned earlier that my son has diagnosed with an anxiety disorder at 12, um, you know, after a long period of trauma through his life. And it's, you know, we have been back and forth to different sorts of professional help and he has refused. He just feels that they haven't worked for him and he's like, no, I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that. And it's only been this year that he has actually agreed that he has a He's always agreed that he's had anxiety, but I guess never wanted to get treatment for it. It was only this year that he he actually approached me and said, Mum, I think you're right. All this time you've been telling me to go see a doctor. Um, I think I need to go and speak to the doctor. And I think for him, his fear was that he would be stuck on medication, mm. you know, get addicted to medication and have to keep increasing that medication. And that was what put him off. And also that he kept being sent to psychologists that he didn't have any rapport with. And then, you know, he'd go one or twice and then never go again but you know now there are so many different options to that face-to-face professional help you know with online things and and especially for you know that age group being 20 he can access a lot more online so I think that you know for him it, it, it has been a long journey with him you know eight years of trying to get supports and finally this year something happening so definitely has been, you know, it's hard when people don't want that help initially. Yeah, and Michelle, I'm really interested in the fact that you and your son 
have have found out that there are lots of ways to get support. So mm-hmm. that the accepted, maybe we could say, um, traditional way, not old-fashioned traditional, traditional mm-hmm. way of getting help, go to your GP, get yeah, a mental absolutely. health care plan, go and mm-hmm. see a psychologist. But that doesn't necessarily work for everyone. You know, and for your son, that just didn't seem to be the right thing. So he's actually been able to access online help. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about online help, Michelle? Yeah, so some of the things that me and him have looked into, uh, there's a couple of really good apps out there. So we do have... Um, the Beyond Blue, Beyond Now app on our phone, which I guess is a bit of a safety plan around my son has been in and out of hospital with suicidal thoughts. So um, putting together that safety plan, you know, that works through strategies for him. So I guess when he's not in a good headspace and not really thinking clearly, we can revert back to that safety plan and go through some of those reminders that he's jotted down in there when he was in a good headspace. Obviously, I, I'm his major support person, mm-hmm. but, you know, sometimes I'm not in the best headspace myself to be able to deal with his, his issues mm-hmm. and what's going on for him, especially as a mother, because it's really hard to just step back and not, you know, want to step in and help all the time. And sometimes I need to encourage him to do that. And I've, and I've certainly seen that this year, um, that he has been more open to trying different things. So we did look into a mood gym um, on the internet as well, oh, which yeah. I guess is... Yep, cognitive behavioural therapy, which is what a, um, a psychologist would do, um, and they do that online. So just some practices and things that he can do online for himself and, you know, some of those self-help things that when he's not in a good place, he can, okay. um, you know, look at those. Yep. Yeah, thank you so much for that, uh, Michelle. Can I just reiterate two things you mentioned? One mm-hmm. is an app for your phone. So you mm-hmm. go onto your app to the uh, on your phone to the app store, and mm-hmm. it's called Beyond Now, and you download okay. that, and it's free. Mm-hmm. And the yep. other one is called Mood Gym, and that mm-hmm. is available on computer or laptop yeah. or handheld device. And um, so, if you just put Mood Gym into the search engine. You Mm -hmm. will get that. Thank you so much for that, Michelle. We're going to a break now. When we get back, we'll continue our discussion. Yo. Ciao. Armando Paradiso from Unique Stone. Delivering quality stone tops to South Australia for over 20 years. Granite. Marble. Caesar Stone. Unique Stone. Granito. Marmo. Caesar Stone. Unique Stone. Thinking stone bench tops to your kitchen, bathroom, or furniture? Unique Stone at Jacobson Crescent, Holden Hill. Call us now, 8266-2280. Unique Stone, we won't be beaten. Come on, que stai facendo? Yo, chiama adesso. Better, better for life. As your parents get older, at some stage it's likely they'll need your help. At Southern Cross Care, we'd love to help you help them. Our wide range of quality home care services are designed to take care of mum and dad, their health, home and even garden. We're compassionate, capable, police checked and proudly South Australian. If you want the best home care for your parents, call 1800 852 
772 or visit southerncrosscare.com.au. Better, better, better for life. Hi, this is David Heath, and I'm excited to be bringing my program Soundtrack of Your Life to Radio Italia Uno. Join me Friday nights at 7 for interesting guests, some great music, and plenty of fun. It's the best way to kick off the weekend. Soundtrack of Your Life, Friday nights from 7 until 9 on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Radio Italia 1 Sito internet www.italia1.com.au Seguici anche sulla nostra pagina Facebook e Instagram Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Mental Health Talk with David and Debbie Proudly sponsored by Mental Health Partners Welcome back everyone And we're going to rejoin Michelle Green now And I'd like now to talk, Michelle, about your new role, the role of a mental health educator. So, Mm -hmm. Michelle, can I ask you, from a a personal point of view, how does that feel, being a mental health educator now, after, like, being on the front line with mental health for most of your life? Mm -hmm. Look, I think it's really, really important to reiterate that, you know, when, we, when we're looking at workforces and um, different environments out there, we, there's so much around op health and safety and workplace safety when it comes to physical first aid. So if we injure ourselves, um, you know, there's, there's things in place that policies and procedures that we follow. And I think it really needs to become the norm that we have the same for our mental health. And we have seen a big change over recent years where, you know, workplaces do have AEAPs and things like that. Um, and that stigma is slowly going away. And I think for me, being able to get out and educate people and normalise, I guess, you know, the fact that mental health is just, uh, you know, we all have our physical health and we all have our mental health. So being able to go out and encourage people to talk about that as easily and equally as they would their physical health, their physical health is certainly something that I want to encourage. And it was, you know, through my voluntary work that I met David um, and was offered this opportunity. Um, and it was certainly his passion and dedication to doing this that has, um, you know, I guess led me a little bit away from the suicide prevention stuff um, and into a a more, you know, a a wider variety of um, educating. So more around, you know, mental health in general, not just the suicide, because I guess there's a lot leading into, you know, a lot of mental illness that will lead to suicide. And and it's a bit, a lot broader than I guess, you know, I realised it was from my own personal experience. I focused on that and that personal experience has now changed. (laughs) Yeah. So thanks for that, Michelle. Now, I... I I really want to talk to you about your personal experience. And one of the things that I know you and I have discussed before and you said in your intro was you're a person who's had a psychotic event, a single psychotic event in your life. Um, I was just wondering if you could explain to people what that was like and and why, why you like to talk about it and let and let people know that it's okay yeah so for me my episode came after a long period of stress so I was going through a terrible court case over custody of my son um, and I had a a management change and a a sale at a um, childcare centre that I was managing so a great deal of stress was all happening at once and for me I 
completely ignored all the warning signs leading up to that psychotic event. So, um, you know, like I was becoming disengaged. I was certainly very anxious. Um, I had a lot of sensory things that were going on. So, you know, metallic tasting, thing, everything tasted weird to me. I couldn't go into shopping centres because I'd be in there about 10 minutes and was so overwhelmed by the noise that I would literally just leave my shopping trolley and walk out. Sleep, I think, was the biggest thing for me. Like, I just stopped sleeping. I went from a typical eight hours a day to probably two was my norm. And when I had the psychotic episode, I was driving in my car uh, down, you know, down a road I used on a daily basis and I could see a tunnel ahead. It was like the whole world had come in and it was closing in around me and I could see this tunnel in front of me that deep down I knew didn't exist, but in that moment it was there. Um, And it obviously freaked me out and I pulled over on the side of the road and rang my mum, who lives in a different state, unfortunately, and she suggested that I ring one of my friends who was at that time studying psychology. So I did that and my friend come and um, assisted me and took me to the doctor and it was the doctor that obviously said, look, I believe you're having a psychotic episode which was related to your stress. And he put me on some medication to help me sleep. And luckily for me, that was a one-off incident um, that it hasn't happened again. And like I said, that was back in 2012. So it's been, you know, almost 10 years. But, you know, I ignored um, lots and lots of things that were happening for me. And I guess I just went on running on autopilot for a long time because I was in such a high stress state for such a long period. Okay, so Michelle, that's really interesting and really, really interesting description of what happened as the psychosis happened. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me, you've said, I ignored lots of things. Mm -hmm. Would it have helped if someone might have noticed some of those things and asked you about it, thinking back? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I mean, people were saying things specifically about my sleep, but I guess people could only ask me things based on what I was telling them. And I guess I wasn't really being very honest about what was happening for me. Mm. So, you know, like really terrible, vivid dreams. And, you know, like at night time, I'd try to sleep and all I could see was like, I, I guess they were hallucinations. The best way I describe it is if you think of a kaleidoscope and you you know you twist the end and it changes all mm. these funny patterns and things like that. That I was experiencing that experiencing that every night when I tried to sleep. And of course, those weird things happening is what stopped me from sleeping because I would get up and go, okay, you know, this is weird. But I never actually told anybody about those things. Mm. So. You know, if I went went back now, given what I've learned, I certainly would have told people and gone to my GP up front and and spoke about a lot of the things that were going on for me, you know, panic attacks and, um, you know, a lot of agitation and things that just weren't normal for me. They weren't my norm. And, I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? We we certainly learn as we go along. (laughs) Michelle, you just said something that really strikes a chord with my experience of caring for my son. And that was, you said, normal for me. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, we talk as educators a lot about, you know, noticing the change in people and there is no normal or no average. So what were the things that were, were out of the normal for you that you noticed? Yeah. 
So one of the things I mentioned, panic attacks. Like I, I'm not a, I'm not generally an anxious person, or you know, hadn't suffered panic attacks in the past or anything like that. But for me, driving to work because work was such a high stress place, I'd get to the same set of traffic lights every single time I drove to work, and I would start to have a panic attack. You know, which wasn't normal for me, obviously. Um, but also just some of my behaviours. So, I, you know, in my role, I was always out on the floor engaging with the children, engaging with the staff. Throughout that period, I wasn't doing that either. I was staying in my office quite a bit and really, like I said, just running on autopilot, just, you know, just functioning, but not really couldn't concentrate very well. But yeah, there were just so many things and I obviously can't remember them all at the time, but certainly major things like, you know, hallucinations, like I hadn't obviously experienced that before. And, you know, I you know, I love going to the shops and um engaging with friends and meeting up for coffee and a sure. bit of window shopping. So being that that sensory stuff that was going on for me, you know, wasn't my normal. Um and I just didn't really recognise what, what was happening at the time. Sure. So, Michelle, what you're telling us is you didn't recognise it, but there yeah. were, are some things there that perhaps some people around you might have picked up, mm-hmm. you know, not yeah. being out on the floor, more worried, lack of sleep, or, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things. So if someone had noticed that, how mm-hmm. do you think would be the best way for them to have approached you and said, you know, and let you know they were noticing these changes in you. Yeah, I think if somebody had come and said to me, you know, look, I can see that, you know, things are, things you're not you're not doing the things that you normally did at work is something going on for you yeah. um is there a reason behind that it certainly would have made a big difference to me because I think what it would have done is given me an opportunity to tell people what was happening because sometimes you know like I certainly for myself I don't like to be a burden on other people so I keep a lot of stuff to myself I'm quite independent in that way but if somebody had given me that opening then I may have certainly you know said well actually this is happening or that's happening and you know um um, and then I guess that would have led led to me seeking support and them saying to me, you know, what you know, what is it that we can do? How can we help with some of the workload so that you're not so stressed or whatever it may have been? Yeah. So I think approaching people is really, you know, don't be scared to ask what's going on for somebody because we don't know if we don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. And we've talked a lot about that in the last couple of um, programs about that thing of just have a conversation. It's just mm-hmm. a conversation. Don't Absolutely. be afraid of it. So, yeah. Michelle, thank you so much. I would like if you, just as we're closing, if you can mm-hmm. just tell us, a, you know, quickly about the, the walk this weekend again. Absolutely. So it's Sunday the 17th of October. It starts at 9.30. We start gathering at the Onkaparinga Rivermouth up at Port Nolunga South. And then it's about a five kilometre walk along the Esplanade down to Moana um, where we have a barbecue and um, a whole heap of different resources get handed out. There's some activities and things. There is a cost involved, I believe, this year. So I'm not managing it this year. I've hand, handballed it over to the Rotary Club of Seaford. Um, but if you go on their Facebook page or their website, you can certainly find all of the information. So if you Google the Onkapringa Seaside Walk, it's certainly um, a great opportunity to, to bring people together that, that have experienced similar things. Thank you so much, Michelle. 
At Elders Insurance Adelaide East, our mission is to provide outstanding service and superior coverage to each and every one of our clients. With over 30 years of experience, we treat every client with mutual respect and understanding. We'll listen carefully to your specific needs and requirements in order to develop insurance solutions with a level of service and coverage you can't find anywhere else. Elders Insurance Adelaide East is a family-owned and run business with Italian tradition which is built on honesty, integrity and trust. Make an appointment today and go and see Tony and the team at Elders Insurance Adelaide East, 54 to 56 Kensington Road, Rose Park or telephone 8364-9477. We're an authorised representative of Elders Insurance, underwriting agency, Proprietary Limited, Elders Insurance, underwritten by QBE Insurance, Australia Limited. Did you know that Podcast City can record your podcast right here in the studios of Radio Italia Uno on our professional recording equipment? Podcast City can also come to your location with our mobile studio. We can record just your audio or work with you to plan, record, edit, and distribute your podcast to your audience. If you would like to find out more and receive a free podcast startup checklist or book a time to record your podcast, call Radio Italia Uno on 8212317 or go to podcastcity.com.au. Podcast City, podcasting the easy way. Do you want to know how to talk to someone struggling with their mental health? Mental Health Partners specialises in accredited or custom-designed mental health training courses. When you leave your course, you'll have confidence to help people in your community. Mental health is everybody's business. Come and join Mental Health Partners in strengthening your community. Check out the website www.mentalhealthpartners.com.au or Call for a quote, 0402 749 850. Hi, I'm Jamie Limura. I'm Lee Harrison. Join us every second Sunday night from 7pm on Negative Camber, the official motorsports show of Scuderia Ferrari Club Adelaide. Whether it's karting, supercars, MotoGP, Formula One, we talk all the latest news and results in the motorsport world. Negative Camber, every second Sunday from 7pm on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero 1. Radio Italia 1. You're listening to Mental Health Talk with David and Debbie. Proudly sponsored by Mental Health Partners. Welcome back, everybody. It's David with Mental Health Talk with Deb and the show where mental health is everyone's business. And we're going to do our tip of the week now. This time every week, we do our tip of the week. And our tip of the week this week is how to approach somebody. And one of the main themes of how to approach somebody is using the word I, not you. And I'm going to ask Deb to explain that to us. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, approach. This is our 
our start of a conversation. And it's really important that we try our hardest to engage with the person in that first couple of sentences. And using I instead of you is one of the things that we know helps. Mental health, mental illness affects a person's thoughts, their feelings and their behaviours. And one of the most common words that we use that can set off that effect on thoughts is you. Okay, so we try not to use the word you when we approach someone. And you would have heard Michelle say that she thinks I statements help, okay, in when she was talking to us before. And I do too, and I know Dave does. So an I statement is just a sentence, one sentence that doesn't contain the word you. And I'm going to give you an example of one that someone used with me when I was 28. I was in a very severe episode of depression and my friend knew about I statements. She came to my house and she went, Deb, I feel very concerned. So she told me about her own feelings, okay? I feel very concerned. Because I've noticed withdrawal. Now, I had been withdrawing. I was the leader of the Girl Guide. I taught Sunday school and I helped out at Pony Club and I had stopped doing all of those, okay? So she had noticed that, but she didn't come and say, I've noticed you haven't been at Pony Club. She said, I've noticed withdrawal and I would like to have a cuppa. Hmm. Beautiful. And I I think that's a really, really good example of an I statement. And I'll just share one that I used. I had to visit a friend in another state. So I had to fly there. I had a very limited time to talk to him. His mental health was declining. And my I statement to him was, I'm really worried because I see things getting worse and I'd like to hear what hasn't been said. And the reason I used hasn't been said is because I knew he was talking to his wife, he was talking to me, he was talking to his doctor, but things kept getting worse. So I wanted him to say things that he hadn't already said. And it took quite a while for him to acknowledge that he'd heard that statement. But once he did, it did break through and it was easy for him to tell. So I statements, a lot better than you. All right, so we're coming to the end of the show for today. I'd just like to mention our contacts again so that everybody's got them. You can contact us in three ways. One is the website, mentalhealthpartners.com.au. The next way is by email, admin at mentalhealthpartners.com.au. And the third way is by phone. 04-02-749-850. Don't forget, we really want to know what you want us to talk about 
in relation to mental health. Deb and I are very concerned and we want the listeners to drive the content of the program. Let us know what you want. Email us. The first person to email gets a free course every week. And we'll see you next week. Thanks very much, Deb. See you next week. See you next week, Dave.